Well, we have another conversation for you today. I'm excited about this um, conversation I have with Pamela Wilson. Before we get into that conversation, though, just a bit of housekeeping. Just as a reminder, if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast platform or you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to go to thecommonsensepodcast.com forward slash resources, and you will find business resources there that I have shared with you. You have access to Micah's library. You'll be able to buy those um, books that I endorse for uh, individuals like yourself who are looking to start a business or scale their business. You'll also find other resources that you can use to help scale, leverage a business and create good marketing programs for yourself as well. And I am going to be posting my new business stress test on there for you to uh, really take a look at your business and see if it's something, if your business is, um, if, if it checks all the marks, if it answers all the questions that will make your business scalable. So don't forget to check that out at thecommonsensepodcast.com forward slash resources. If you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to hit that notification bell and subscribe. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast platform, don't forget to subscribe and share it with people who you think might be interested. Before we get into our conversation with Pamela Wilson, don't forget to continue to um, listen up for, we have a lot of good episodes planned in the new year for you to listen to. You're going to be so excited. Not as excited though, as you will be when you hear from Pamela Wilson and what she has to say. But anyways, before we get into our conversation, I'm Michael Logan. This is The Common Sense Show. You're listening to The Common Sense Show. If you've just started a new business or if you're just thinking about it, this podcast is for you. Michael Logan has a stellar track record coaching small businesses to achieve six-figure revenue streams. The advice on this show is what has allowed him to have over 15 years of experience as an entrepreneur. Here is your host, Michael Logan. Okay, as I mentioned, um, we have a special guest here, Pamela Wilson, and uh, I'm excited to have her here. She is an online business coach. She is also an online educator, and she has done something unique, which is why I really wanted to have her on the show. You know, when we were having a pre-show chat, she said to me, I'm not really sure if this is the right fit. And I said, of course, this is the right fit because there are people out there who want to do what you're doing. And she has such great energy. Um, so in addition to being a uh, online business coach and online educator, she, um, she arrived late to the online education game uh, in midlife. And so she coaches individuals who are in midlife on how they can launch and leverage expertise that they've gained over the years offline, whether it, that's in corporate life or in, entre in businesses, if you're a small business owner, and she will take that knowledge and help you package it and scale it and grow it into a scalable online business. And I'm excited to, uh, to talk to her today. She's written three books and um, I'm excited to even dig into those as well, but Pamela, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Micah. And that business stress test sounds like gold. So I think I'm going to be navigating over to your site when we finish talking so I can try it myself. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. It, you know, that, that was born from a consultation I had with a business coaching client and uh, I don't take on, I'm very busy, so I don't take on many coaching clients at all. In fact, I'm very select and choosy about who I do, but um, I had given, I was giving these stress tests to, to people who I was consulting with and uh, coaching with, I should say. And I was like, you know what, this is a great universal stress test. So I modified it to be universal. And then um, I, pa I packaged it into a fillable e uh, PDF and, um, you know, I'm, I have it on the website, so I'm excited about kind of launching that. So it's a self, self test. It sounds like, is that right? It is. Yeah. That's awesome. Kind of have that's to confront fantastic. your own business demons with it. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. And that's, I'm assuming I, you know, it's interesting because this is one of the things that I teach. I'm assuming you're using it like some, a lead magnet that builds your email list. Is that right? Um, uh, I, so I was trying to figure out how to do that. And, um, you know, I began the process of doing that and then I backed away from it because I got distracted a few times, but that was one of the things I was going to, uh, actually going to do instead. I have another, um, I have another, uh, like informational thing that I was going to use for my, I wrote another book 
an ebook that I was going to use for a, uh, like five business mistakes that people make. And so um, that cost them time, money and stress or something like that. And so mm-hmm. that was going to be my, my, my lead magnet. And then the uh, business stress test is actually going to be a, because it actually is pretty comprehensive. I, I figured that I would make that a, a for purchase option on the uh, business resources page. Yes, that's a great idea. That is a great idea. It does sound very comprehensive and anything that you give people that gives them actionable results like that, you want to make sure you're selling that. I mean, that's one of the things I coach people on. So I'm glad to hear you're doing that. So your brilliance shines through. We haven't even dug in deep yet. This is great. (laughs) So you call yourself the unguru. Um, That word leapt leapt out at me when I was going over all of your information and kind of digging deeper into you. When you say unguru, what do you mean? Can you define it? And uh, why is that fitting for you? It's interesting. That was actually from a client of mine who called me that. And I thought, yeah, I will take that. I like, I like the idea of being an unguru. In the online business space, especially, you see a lot of people who are positioning themselves as gurus who are sort of on top of the mountain preaching down at the masses, right? And I don't, I've never related to that. I really enjoy the relationship that I have with my clients, whether they're coaching clients or students of one of my courses. I just enjoy getting to know them as people. And I feel like I can learn as much from them as they learn from me. So I've never liked this idea of sort of being up here, preaching down to everyone else. Mm. Um, And that's why I embrace that unguru, because I want people to know that I don't feel like I'm better than them in any way. I just may have more experience in this one thing that they're interested in learning about. The people I tend to help are people who are in midlife. And a lot of times they've developed a ton of expertise around whatever topic they've devoted their life to. So they're super smart people. It's not that they're not smart. It's just, they need to know about this specific topic that I happen to geek out about and and really enjoy helping people with. So I just kind of wanted to establish that starting on my about page. Mm. What, um, what made you, um, as you call it, in midlife, decide that online business coaching or engaging in the online uh, marketplace was for you? I got to this point in my offline business. I was running a marketing and design studio. So I was it was a service-based business and I was working directly with clients. And I sort of got to this point where I felt like I had met every possible challenge that I could meet in that business. Um, One of my final big clients was a national magazine, and I was designing the entire magazine from front to back um, and designing all their marketing materials and helping them to figure out their messaging for all of their national events. It was a very sort of high profile client. And after I finished the work for them, I was sort of like, I mean, what else is there for me? Mm. So it was, it was partially that, that I just was ready for a new challenge. But I also had this feeling like I wanted to help people outside my geographic area. Most of the clients that I was helping, I did help some clients remotely, but most of them were in my geographic area. I was still having like in-person meetings with clients and getting together with them in their conference rooms and things like that. And I wanted to be able to reach people who needed my help, no matter where they were on the world in the world. So I realized that online was the best place to do that. So it was kind of that combination of, I need a new challenge and I want to reach people and help them in a slightly different way than I've been helping people up until now. What was it that you felt like, you know, that was missing in the marketplace? It's, it's really changed, Micah. It's interesting because when I started out, I brought my offline expertise, which was design and marketing, and took it online. And I was helping people sort of figure out their marketing messages and use the basic premises of good design to put together marketing that actually looked good. So it sounded good. It helped them to reach their target market, and it also looked good. And that was my big focus. So it was definitely like a direct translation of my offline work to my online work. Well, 
after a few years of that, I started to realize that a more interesting challenge was to actually help people to make the transition that I had made from offline to online business. And in particular, people in midlife, because like you mentioned at the beginning, there are some specific challenges that people have in midlife when they're working on putting together an online business. And because I had sort of navigated those challenges myself, I really wanted to help people to navigate them and to do it successfully and to have online businesses that really generated consistent profit that they could take forward into the second half of their careers, whatever number of years that ends up being. Do you feel like these are like undiscovered passions that people have that they suppress in an effort to try to just sustain a lifestyle, their family? Um, because a lot of that happens, you know, in the first half of your life, the kids, you know, if you have them or life or whatever, and you're trying to maintain that lifestyle or build a name or build a, build a, um, a shall we say a, a public um, or a professional persona for yourself and um, do some of what we truly desire and what we're good at. Does that push, does that get pushed to the side for the sake of pragmatism in our life? I think in some cases, absolutely. And it makes purpose, perfect sense. You, you have responsibilities to fulfill. And if you have something that generates consistent income, even if it's not your passion, um, oftentimes it makes the most sense to devote your time and effort to developing that because you have to, like you said, you got to feed your family. You have to put a roof over your head. It's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You've got to do what you can do to put that foundation in place so that you have a stable life. Um, so yes, absolutely. I think in some cases you get those things in place. And then in the second half of your career, you might have the freedom and the ability to explore things that you couldn't explore in the first half. So that's definitely the explanation for some of the people I help. For other people, though, it's they have actually found their passion in their current career. And now what they want to do is take all of that expertise and knowledge that they've developed, that professional expertise, and take it out and just reach a different audience, an audience that they can't reach where they are right now. They want to reach a more broad audience, a more international audience. At, at sometime, in some cases, they know this very specific thing, and it's such a small niche that they kind of feel like to reach the people I want to reach, I really need to broaden and, and reach out to the whole world. So I help people in both situations. So when a person is unacquainted with this particular aspect of doing business, because you know the thing is, even young people who have grown up in the internet age and who have developed um, technological habits aren't necessarily always keen on trying to establish a presence and a uh, for themselves online. How do you get someone who, if they're in midlife, they remember life without the internet and uh, an analog age? <laughs> and uh, how do you get them to? How do you convince them that they're not going to get hacked by Russian bots and? Uh, and that they're not going to get like, uh, you know, docs online. How do you, how do you assuage their fears? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I have to just, as an aside, say that I love that you mentioned this because I've started to realize that my audience, you know, about ESL classes, English mm -hmm. as a second language. So I've started to realize that the people I help speak internet as a second language. So they yeah. speak analog and internet, right. and they have had to live their lives kind of navigating that massive change, right? Mm -hmm. um, there have been, you know, I think our grandparents probably, there were technology changes that they experienced. And now I think the big technology change that my generation has experienced is that switch from kind of an analog world to an internet-based connected world. So um, to be completely well, it's, it's honest, a good point. People, it's a good point. Yeah, I, I was thinking really, about my grandmother who just died like a year and a half ago. She lived through Hitler. The, I mean, the, that's the, the books thing. that people yeah. are reading about, right? It's like, yeah. uh, you think it's so long ago, but no, this is like, my grandmother was literally what, 14, 15 years old when Hitler was around and, you know, doing his thing over there. And like, it's like, it's like, holy 
you know, holy crap, like yeah. that's, that's not that long ago. Yeah, I know. I know. And you really, you know, we're in the middle of a, we're, we're getting off track here, but we're in the middle of a pandemic right now, yep. which of course has been really tough for everyone, but you know, our, our just, a, you know, our parents and our grandparents and their parents, they all had something, something mm -hmm. that was world-changing, life-changing that they all had to deal with. And I think, you know, if you look back and you're, if you're here, they survived, right? right? And so if you look back, you can take strength from the fact that the human race has managed to navigate these really incredibly difficult situations. And here we are, thank goodness. So um, anyway, <laughs> we're getting really philosophical here. So to no. answer your original question, which was, what do you, how do you help people in midlife get over the fear of being hacked? To be completely honest, if they are working with me, they've gotten over that. They, they don't have that fear. They have um, gotten past it. That, I mean, it's almost like the first tiny barrier that they have to get over in order to yeah. even be interested in doing something online. So I, it's not something I have to deal with at all, to be honest, because mm. I just, you know, by the time we're talking, they are over that. They got over it a long time ago. Right. That's interesting. And um, so are they still working jobs? Um, are they retired? Like what what actual state of existence are they in? Um, yeah, you know, that's this a great. Is, this is midlife, right? So. Yeah, it could be anything, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, normally... It, I, it's really one of two things. They have a job, they have either their own business. So they have a source of income and they're looking to pivot to doing something more online and maybe do that gradually over time, which is what I did. I, I pivoted. I didn't just close down my design and marketing business. I, instead, what I did is I opened the online piece of my business and kind of ran them concurrently. I was really busy for a couple of years, but I got to a point that the online business income replaced the offline business income. And then I shut down the offline business. So I, there are people who I help who are in that situation. They either, maybe they're working and they change their work to becoming part-time so that they have more time to devote to developing their online business, or they have an offline business. They're making the transition. Um, I don't, really help that many people who are actually retired. Mm -hmm. um, most of the people who I help have that on the horizon. It, it's sort of like if you're running a race and you're like, oh, I can see the finish line way off there. Like it's, it's in view, you know, right. but they're not there yet. They haven't mm -hmm. arrived at it. And one of the things they might be thinking about is what do I want my retirement to look like? Mm. And, you know, they may not want to like fish and learn to knit. They right, might be right. interested in being more, more active as I am. I mean, honestly, I always tell my husband, like, I'm like how am I going to retire? I don't, I don't have any idea what I'll do. I right. gotta, I gotta figure out a way to keep busy. So, um, online business, fortunately, and I think we've seen this a lot in this pandemic and lockdown laden year that we, or a couple of years that we've had, um, online business is actually a really viable way to make a living under the most dire of circumstances, you can still make a living with an online business. And those same characteristics that make it a viable option during a pandemic also make it a viable option if you're moving into retirement. The fact that it's portable, the fact that it's flexible, the fact that you can you know, kind of do it from anywhere, including your home. Um, the fact that you have a lot of time flexibility and the ability to reach an audience, no matter where they are, all of those traits are really special about online business and make it really well suited for people who are in midlife or in the middle of a pandemic, either one. So I want to talk about, um, the money in online businesses, um, in a minute, but I want to ask you first, you say that the best way to build an online business is to get in touch with yourself first. What do you mean by that? Yeah, it's interesting. One of the things that I teach in my core program, which is called the Offer Accelerator, is this idea that you need to get in touch with your own values 
and your own strengths. And the value piece of it is important because whatever you develop needs to sort of be an expression of what's important to you and, and the transformation that you want to deliver to other people. And that has to come from what's important to you. It's, you know, you can't, for example, your business stress test, it's obviously important to you that businesses, business owners have a way of figuring out where their weak points are so that they can build on their strengths and shore up their weaknesses, right? So that's a value for you to help people in that way. And that value drove you to create that business stress test, right? Mm -hmm. And that's basically what I teach is that you get in touch with what is actually important to you personally, and you make sure that whatever you develop is kind of an expression of that. Because bonus, when you do that, you create something that is very unique and having a really unique offer is one of the best ways to stand out in the marketplace. I think a lot of people online nowadays feel like, you know, everything has been done online. The market is saturated. If I want to bring my expertise about topic A to the marketplace, there are already five other products or courses or memberships or, you know, coaching programs that teach about topic A and how is mine different? Well, yours is different when you tap into your own values because your values are different than my values and they're different from the next person's values. So tapping into that is really where you want to start. And then the other piece of it is your strengths. And when I talk about strengths, it's really tapping into what you do naturally well in terms of how you can deliver your expertise. So for example, I think we could safely say that Michael Logan feels really comfortable with audio and video, right? Mm -hmm. So whatever you develop, right? (laughs) I feel like we could safely say that. So whatever you develop to deliver your expertise is probably going to rely on those things where there might be other things that you're not as comfortable with. I don't know you well enough to know what those things might be, but let's say that somebody is comfortable delivering expertise on audio and video, but you put them in front of a live audience on a stage speaking and they're terrified. So they are going to develop an offer that is delivered with their strengths and not with their weaknesses, right? And so that combination of what are your values and what are your strengths, when you put those things together, you come up with an offer that is really unique to you only. And that helps so much for, to. it just helps you to stand out in the marketplace. It makes you more unique. And so should um, people who are looking to build an online business, um, you talk about leveraging their knowledge base of what they currently know or the, or the competence that they've built up over the years doing one or two specific things, and then maybe taking that to people who are looking for it. Um, is that what they focus on first? Is it curation of content? Is it building content first? Or is it learning the, um, the language of the internet and what that means? What's, what's the priority? Yeah, by the time they get to me, they know the language of the internet. So that's not an issue. I help people who, who have an established website and have an established audience. So that's usually on an email list mm-hmm. or they maybe have built an audience on a social platform, but they basically have gathered a group of people already. And what I found is that people really struggle to develop an offer that creates consistent income. Mm. And there are all of these people teaching, you know, one-off courses on courses on creating membership sites, courses on creating courses, um, courses about delivering coaching and all of this, but there's nobody really giving people the comprehensive picture of how you can develop an offer that you can charge a premium price for. And that is the fastest way to create consistent income. So that's really what we focus on is developing that offer that you can build your business on, the offer that creates consistent income for your business. Mm. So uh, if I'm hearing you right, the people who come to you have tried and are stuck in building the online um, business. Is that right? 
they're stock building an offer. So typically they have established some kind of business. They have a website. They're not, you know, complete beginners. They have started down the path of an online business, but they just haven't quite hit on that offer that generates income consistently. Mm. Um, Sometimes, Micah, it's because they have bought into something that is really common online, which is people, you know, the gurus, the actual gurus, the people who position themselves as gurus, <laughs> they are teaching people to create these really inexpensive products, like $27 products or $97 products. And I, I really caution against that because people who have this level of expertise, who are in mid-career, you know, like the people I help, they have a lot of expertise and they should not be packaging up that expertise and putting it in a $47 offer, right? A lot of people are teaching, create this really inexpensive thing and then run a bunch of, spend a lot of money and run a bunch of ads to get people to buy that one thing. And then magically they're gonna buy that one thing and take the next step and buy the next most expensive thing and buy the next most expensive thing. And I just, I feel like that's such a waste of resources, honestly. Yeah. I would rather see people spend time to develop a single really high value offer that is positioned so that the people who actually need it and have the money to spend on their solution, recognize that it is exactly what they need and buy it. Because I mean, it's you funny know, that humans you say that. don't, because I've been thinking about this with the business stress test. Now, um, I was thinking about I was thinking about pricing the range, the spectrum of pricing. Go offer for free, blah blah blah. And then I said to myself, mm -hmm. the the people who I've provided the business stress test to, um, essentially as a focus group, um, and um, you know for coaching, were like this thing was so crazy intense to do, and I got so much out of this, and I understand kind of what, you know, my biggest thing is I always find a way to weave in this Thomas Sowell quote into every podcast and I'm going to do it right now. But um, my biggest thing is when I first started business, I say, uh, I said that uh, I always use a Thomas Sowell quote, which is that um, it takes an extraordinary amount of knowledge to understand the extent of your own ignorance. Um, and so I based my business stress test that I created off of that quote. Um, and it's kind of, the goal was to force people to understand what, what they don't understand about their business and to also to understand, um, what they do understand about their business, because that will prompt them into more questions. And so I said to myself, there are so many, there, there are a, a few questions that people can't answer, but there are a, um, a few questions that people can't answer, which to me makes a perfect it makes a perfect offering because the person's trying to think about that. So I've been thinking about pricing and I'm like, you know what? At first I was like, well, let me just make this in my head. I'm like, well, let me just make this, this. And then I said, you know what? This crap is gold. It's not yes. crap, but it's gold. Right. And I'm thinking, right, like, right. That knowledge, right. The knowledge. And yeah. then you keep going up and up. So I, in my head, I'm like, well, no, it should be this. No, it should be this. No, it should be this. And so when I post it online, which is going to happen this week, um, the, the true price will be revealed. But like, you know, it's, I'm like, holy smokes. Like this is, uh, so what you're saying is absolutely right. Because if you have that, if you have that, um, that knowledge and you know the impact of a person on the other side, understanding what was just kind of revealed to them, it, it, they'll pay anything for that at the end of the, once, yes. once they look back at it. Right. Yes. I love that. All right. So I'm going to, can I ask you a coaching question? Of course, please. <laughs> okay. This is an open forum. Here's a coaching question. All right. Here's a coaching question. So somebody takes the business stress test, they get their results Yeah. and they, they see their areas that they need to work and they see what they need to do. What happens next? Great question. So my thought was, that they take this coaching, the stress test, they're like, what happens next? I was thinking about having them follow up with um, like a coaching call or um, giving them, my thought was giving them a, um, a framework under which when, when, they finish, when they finish it, it will underscore which one of their systems need to be tightened up. And then having a content 
specifically based off of whatever system that they need to be, they need to be um, tightened up. I'm, I'm a systems and processes guy. Um, that's yeah, what I do. do it, I do it at a high level. And um, so I, I thought about preparing these addendum um, workshoppy type things to have them to drive home with that gap of knowledges in that specific system or that specific uh, paradigm, just like some more content mm-hmm. to drive, to drive them to, you know, um, in, a, yeah. in, a, in a quest to not have me necessarily be coaching them through when the hat comes up, you know, I'm serious um, with the, have them coaching specifically coaching them through every little you gotta bit, make but... more room for your brain, Micah. That's what it is. <laughs> exactly. All my brain <laughs> the hat goes up to make more room for your brain. Like, you know, like a self-discovery thing. I'm about self-discovery in in many different ways, but I feel like um, I want to take them through the process through self-discovery at the same time, cutting the the, the learning curve as well. You know, right? that makes sense. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's great. I, you know, as a follow-up to the coaching question, I would just say, you know, if, if we were working together, what I would prompt you to think about is, okay, people have this knowledge, what are they going to want to do with that knowledge? And can you develop something that you can sell them as a solution for people who say, okay, I have this awareness now of what I need to work on. And now I need some help solving that. So, um, and, and this is where pricing starts to become really interesting. And we can talk about that if you want. Um, the, the way you price and package your offer can make such a difference it, as far as how it's perceived and then how many people actually want to buy it. So mm. for example, you know, let's say um, you charge $600 for the business stress test. I'm putting Whoa, just a Pamela. Random, I'm putting out a random number. This is our first meeting. Okay. You got to slow down. No, <laughs> All right. But listen, listen, listen to what I'm going to say though. Let's say you yep. charge $600 for the business stress test mm-hmm. and you charge $650 for the business stress test and a group coaching call, um, you know, once a month for three months, or I don't know, or one group coaching call with everyone who has taking the business stress test where you work with the person and help them with their issues, or you give them, you know, like a group coaching call and then maybe a work session or something. So, so basically you charge a premium for the stress test and you charge just a little bit more to give people a lot more, mm-hmm. which is closer to what you would give them anyway. So anyway, I'm not, I'm not recommending necessarily that you do that, but it's just an example of how you can use pricing to actually get people to the point where they're seeing the true value in what you offer and they're recognizing that it is exactly what they need kind of by what you priced it. Yeah, I like that. It keeps the serious people serious. That makes a lot of sense. And that's what I was thinking about too. Um, you know, if you're watching this, you're getting a live look in on Pamela's skills right here. Um, no, <laughs> no. And the cool thing is like how, like, let's say you charge $60 instead of 600, right? Yeah. How many more? And I, I mean, I know you can do the math, but it's like, you don't have to sell that many at $600 to really make it worth your while. Right. Exactly Where right. to sell 10 at $60, you, you really kind of have to pound the pavement, right? Yeah. You got to, get out there and, and rustle up those sales where you could literally make one sale and earn the same kind of income. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. And this, I mean, I think that your, your, your strategy of first, you have to start with high level quality knowledge is important. Like, you know, the whole 17 magazine, you know, meet, you know, uh, blog, uh, website, blog, you know, horoscope, five signs that he's a Scorpio, um, you know, <laughs> like intelligence thing is, is not going to cut it. You need like real tangible um, information that, you know, in my, my asset test, I think in general, for advice I give on the podcast, interviewing people like yourself who have the uh, in expertise um, and then delivering content on my own is, can you, is it, 
is it a complex idea that is simple and then can be implemented tomorrow? And mm-hmm. I think that that is, that is something that people who have a lot, lot to say and who deliver high impact has, have the ability to do. They deliver complex ideas very simply and they can be implemented the next day. And, and, and the very clear logical steps on how to even implement them. So it's, it's very systematic. It's very, it speaks to the most, the common denominator. It can raise a person that has very little knowledge or very little um, idea about where to go up to a point where they can actually establish themselves and do something with it. Um, right. Or at least that, that's in my mind how it should be, but it's, but it's a very practical thing. Um, so I like, I like what you do with this because I think that you, your system seems to kind of take a person who has the the assets and the expertise and and essentially help them to figure out kind of where they need to place themselves in the basically in the spectrum of of online coaches like kind of where are you specifically in the market basically in the market because they're not they don't all aspire to be coaches they may be want to run a membership site or offer a course or, or offer a service. I help people with service-based businesses as well, but they, they want to do it online. There's one piece we haven't talked about though. And I feel like we should cover Mm -hmm. this just to make sure people, because it's like, you know, people might think there's some magic happening here. And there's this one step that's really important, which is that I help people identify what they want to offer, and then I help them to run a test on it. So I help them to take Mm. their big idea of what they ultimately want to do online and minify it so that they can run a test of that idea and just see how the market reacts to it. I call it my smart start approach. Mm -hmm. And it's basically minimizing the idea and putting it into a format so that you can deliver it really easily Mm-hmm. and see how people respond to it. Do people buy? What kind of feedback do you get? Are you able to actually deliver the transformation in the way you think you can? Because what happens, and I think this is not a midlife thing. I think it's really any age. You go online and you see all these people delivering these super elaborate courses or super elaborate programs. And you think, oh, I need to create that. I need Mm -hmm. to create a super elaborate course like that. And you film all these videos and you create all these worksheets and you never test to make sure that what you want to deliver to people is actually going to create the transformation you want to create. And that's, I've seen that so many times. I mean, you, you want to cry when you see it happen because you just see people who have poured so much effort into developing this super elaborate thing without ever testing it. And it happens to the best of us. I mean, I've seen really smart people make that mistake. So that's an integral part of the work that I do is that we figure out if it's a brand new offer that you have never run before and you've never tried before, we test first. We test and we check to see your results. And if you need to pivot, I help you pivot. And if you're able to just double down on the idea that you developed because it did really well, then I help you double down and make the most of it. So where, so what is your um, process of determining whether content should be presented as like online membership based uh, content versus coaching mastermind type content versus single use, single purchase content? How do you, do you have a process for doing, for helping a person decide where to put it? And then um, the second, Second to that, because whatever, for whatever reason, I like answering, asking multiple questions at one time. Um, That's all right. <laughs> second, secondarily, um, do you often have people who think that they want to do one thing and then it turns out that they that their product you think is best used in a different kind of structure? It's they're related questions. They're really good questions. So, um, I'll answer the second one first. I don't tell people how to deliver their product. Mm-hmm. Um, we work on that together and I help them think it through, but it comes back to what we talked about at the beginning, that values and strengths exercise, which comes pretty early on in the program that I deliver, where people are really tapping into what is important to them 
and then what existing strengths they have, because that oftentimes points in a specific direction. It will point you toward a delivery system that is going to leverage your current strengths. So mm. I encourage people to do that. And then I also have some information in the program about what exactly is entailed in delivering everything from coaching to a membership program. So coaching, services, courses, a membership program. I, I have this massive, massive spreadsheet that has mm -hmm. tabs in it and everything that you need to think about from before you launch it to when you launch it to while you're running it and afterward, like the whole thing, because I have done all of those. So I sort of put everything into this one massive spreadsheet. And I think when people see that, they also get a much better feel for, you know, a membership site sounds good, but like what's actually involved in running a membership site. Um, so when yeah. they see it all laid out, they, they just have a little more information so that they can make a smart decision. Interesting. So you, so you really just kind of like, I think like most good business coaches do, they, they drive the questions back to the person and kind of make them confront them that, that question. Like, did you know, do you know, like your question about, do you know what's involved in managing a membership site? Cause mem membership sites are <laughs> management. There's like a lot of management. It's not, it is, it's not technically passive income, a management site, a membership site, because there is constant work that goes into that. And unless you have a team that makes it passive, you, that's, that's on you, you know? And if you're trying to reduce, that's actually my least favorite online offer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> membership sites, because um, they, it's, I mean, you're really giving yourself a, a job, an mm -hmm. ongoing job. Yeah. If it's the kind of membership site that you continually add content to, which is usually what you need to do so that people stay around and keep paying you, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's my, it's doable. It's manageable. And if you <laughs> really want you, though, that, it? <laughs> and it is, it's a good model for some people, yeah. you know, but I, I try to be really upfront about like, you know, before you get enamored with some delivery vehicle yeah. that you've seen someone else do, let's find out what's actually involved in doing this because mm -hmm. before you wade into it, you know, get a good feel for what, what to expect. Mm -hmm. So do you, um, do you teach about like content marketing and how that should be deployed? It's interesting because I, you probably saw, I've written two books about content marketing, master content marketing and master content strategy. And I, I include, I have a, a product called the Content Lab. It's a course. Mm -hmm. And I actually include that as part of my larger offer, the Offer Accelerator Program, because content marketing is an important part of running an online business and figuring out a way that you can, again, leverage your strengths and then deliver consistent content is it's something we all have to figure out if we're going to run an online business. So mm -hmm. I teach it in a course within the larger program. So yes, definitely. And I, I think people who are in my program know that I have expertise. Mm -hmm. So I do field in our weekly coaching sessions, I field a lot of content marketing questions. So what is, okay. So my first question, woman, well, not my first question, my 199th <laughs> question is- Your first is, question about content marketing, I'm betting. Right. Uh, is email marketing dead? No, email marketing rocks. Email marketing is the best. So Explain. Um, are you are you asking that because you actually believe it or are you asking it because everybody says that? I'm, I'm asking it because I want to know your opinion and I, okay. I have mine okay. and I've heard differing opinions. Yeah, about it. I'm betting that you don't believe that, Micah. I'm just guessing, but um, so- a palm reader. Well, here's the thing. Anyone who uses email marketing knows uh -huh. that it's not dead. If right. you use it, you know, it's not dead. Now, email marketing, it's tough to get started and it mm. is not sexy. Here's the thing, because, mm. you know, acquiring people on an email list is like a slow but steady task that you just have to do in the background when you have an online business. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not like on social media where you can like have a post go viral and you get all these people who connect with you all of a sudden. Email marketing isn't like that usually. I mean, usually right. it's more like, you know, drip, drip, drip. People are 
joining your email list slowly but surely. But those email list subscribers are some of the most valuable connections that you will have online. And it is the most reliable way to sell anything is to put it in front of your email list. Um, there's also a much better chance that your emails, your messaging in an email will get read versus messaging that you might put on a social platform. So email marketing is the best. And as a matter of fact, in the program that I have right now, there's a foundation module and the foundation module, a big chunk of what we do in that module is getting people's email kind of growth strategy set up so that while they're moving forward with the rest of the program, yep. in the background, they are adding five to 10 people to their email list at a minimum every single week so that they just are growing the audience of people who they're going to eventually make an offer to so that they have an email audience. So it's not dead. It's alive and kicking. It's not sexy, but right, it's not yeah. dead. It's definitely not sexy. That's for sure. Um, what, why is it that some people have a hard time growing their email list where it seems like it's easier for others? Like what is, is it a strategy? Well, obviously it's a strategy thing, but like, what are people who have a hard time growing the email list missing? You know, the biggest thing that I see, to be honest, is that people are just not remembering to ask for that consistently. Mm -hmm. So on their websites, they're not making it obvious where someone can sign up for an e their email list. And I've done this. I mean, I'm speaking from my own experience, so I'm not um, innocent of this. This is something I have done myself. But oftentimes you go to a website and it's like, well, I would like to stay connected with this website, but I don't even know where to sign up for the email list, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's simply that they have not asked or they haven't asked in a way that stands out enough. So I coach people and I, you know, part of my coaching sometimes is we look at their website and they'll have this little tiny, it's like they're whispering. By the way, I have an email list you can sign up right here. It's like this little tiny, like it doesn't stand out at all where right. if you actually want people to sign up, you need to do something with your design so that your call to action stands out and you're offering people something in exchange for their email. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's a little bolder of an ask mm -hmm. when it comes to a website. And then on social platforms, it's very simple. You just need to make sure that in your bio on all the social platforms, you let people know where they can sign up for your email list and stay connected with you. So on Twitter, you might pin a post that has email opt-ins on it on, um, you know, Instagram, YouTube, it, like in the YouTube description, you want to make sure you you're adding a call to action for your email list. You just need to keep sort of beating that drum of sign up for my email list everywhere. And oftentimes people who don't have a lot of traction with their email list just are not even doing those basic things. Mm. Comes down to blocking and tackling. Like this is the fundamental. Totally. Yeah. Fundamental, yeah. And being consistent with that. And that's, so that's kind of my stress test is, is blocking and tackling. You know, the, the, do you remember, are you into football? at all a little a okay. little bit probably not as much as you are based on what you're saying but yeah so there a was a, a coach named vince lombardi who oh, is sure. the namesake of the super bowl trophy and mm -hmm. um you know he was like notorious for at the beginning of um we're famous for at the beginning of training camp for holding up a football and the very first thing he said to both veterans and rookies is this is a football like basics, you know, mm -hmm. um, he taught them about the shape of the football, he, you know, and how the football was constructed. And I thought it was brilliant because that's what good coaches do is that they person fundamentally understands what they're doing and why it works and how it works before they can kind of grow and scale and, and scaffold on that. So, um, you know, like that's the idea of, in my opinion, like when you're trying to build these course, these courses, like you need to it's start with like this, you talked about having like a, like a free giveaway and that's a nice foundational piece to maybe, you know, growing your, your email newsletter um, or your marketing newsletter 
or just an introduction of you, like what you believe about business on a basic level and then kind of build it from there or whatever your topic is, astrophysics, physics, you know, or whatever. Right. <laughs> um, but um, okay. So now what do you think are some of the key elements of like, like, and you don't have to give me a detailed answer here, um, but like, what are some key elements to creating like an online site that actually catches people that makes them want to pay more on your site versus on someone else's? A lot of it comes down to your messaging and making sure that you are communicating the value of what you give to people. So you want to make sure that that is clear from the top of your website and all the way down to the footer, that it's very consistent and very clear. I see a lot of people, and again, this is something that I have been guilty of in the past, who, who sort of have too many different things, right? Somebody applied for my program um, recently, and when I went to her website, I saw like five different offers, right? Five different things, and they they all were sort of given the e an equal amount of screen real estate, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there wasn't one that was a primary offer and then others that were, that were below that one. They had one offer and then another one next to it, another one next to it. It was kind of like going to a store and seeing like a line of different brands of cereal lined up. And you're like, I don't even know how to choose right. between here. So um, that's a mistake I see a lot is that people aren't clear about what they actually do and what their primary offer is. And they just give people it's the paradox of choice, right? They give people too many things to choose from and they kind of ask them to sort through and figure out what they need. Mm -hmm. So that's where something like a quiz or something that helps them sort through and, and self-identify as I need help in this area yep. that can actually then point them to what they need. That can be super helpful. If you have more than one offer, but then it's also the way you present it on the website and making sure that your main offer is super clear and the others are, are less important visually. They're smaller, they're tucked away, harder to find, not front and center, that kind of thing. Should people be afraid that they're going to be considered just one coach of many coaches online and that the field is oversaturated and um, you know, all the fears that come along with being scarcity minded. Yeah, I think they should be afraid of that because mm. it's true. It's very saturated out there, but that doesn't mean they should throw in the towel and give up on, on even trying the way to combat that is to find your unique take and your unique audience and really double down on that and be super clear and super consistent about who you help and how you help them. Mm -hmm. I, there are a lot of coaches out there, but I do believe that there's someone for everyone and there is a way for you to reach the people who need you. But you, the way you do that is by doing the scary thing, which is to be very specific about who you help and who you don't help and how you help them, what you do and what you don't do. Right. And being super, super consistent about communicating that every place you show up online. Yeah. I was sitting in a business conference one time and, uh, the, uh, the business coach there said, you know, generalists often eat last specialists are sought out for what they know. I thought that was an interesting quote. Um, very quotable. Um, but I thought it was, I thought it had, you know, uh, you know, some ring of truth to it that people actually will find something very specific. And especially now, everything is specific. There's, there's never been a more segmented, you know, period in time where expertise has been so highly, you know, specialty expertise has been so highly sought after. I mean, look at this, the proliferation of sports camps for kids, right? Like you can go to a <laughs> basketball camp or soccer camp, baseball camp, you can go to a football yeah. camp and you have one specialist who's a throwing coach. You have another specialist who's a hitting coach. You have another specialist that's a running coach, you know, like, and so you can break down every single movement and there's a coach for it now. Um, and, you know, the cream rises to the top. So if you're really good at, you know, biomechanics, ergonomics, gait analysis, then you're going to be really one of the top running coaches out there. 
and uh, you know, people will seek you out for what you know. So I, I completely agree with that. That, uh, and you know, what's interesting, Micah, is that that's something that I deal with, with my customers in particular, that they get to this point in their career, they get to mid career mm-hmm. and they have acquired expertise about a lot of things. So mm-hmm. they're really talented generalists in many right. cases. They, they're the kind of people you can throw them the ball and they can do whatever, you know, they mm-hmm. have a lot of tools in their tool chest. And one of the things that we work on is, okay, you, there are lots of options, you have lots of options, but how can you figure out what you really want to double down on, what you really want to be known for, and who you want to reach with that expertise, and how can we try to be really consistent and just push everything else to one side so that you can become an expert with a specialty. It's mm-hmm. hard. It's hard to sort of let go of certain things that you've developed expertise on when you've worked really hard to develop that expertise, but that is exactly what you need to do. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So let's talk dollars and cents. How much money is there in online business coaching um, for individuals who are looking to make this jump? If people are looking, so I, you know, just to be clear, I teach coaching, but I also teach course creation, course Mm -hmm. creation, service businesses, membership sites, all of that. But the online coaching world, I mean, people can make a great living. It's Mm -hmm. really a matter of how much you are willing to charge for your expertise. It's typically something that people start out at a lower amount. And again, I teach a testing protocol where they start at a lower amount, test the concepts, make sure they're delivering transformation, gather testimonials and feedback, and then they can turn around and start charging more. So, I mean, I've seen people start out at 250 an hour and go to 500 and a thousand dollars an hour and up from there. I mean, it's, it, it depends on what, who you're teaching, what you're teaching, the audience you're trying to reach, the the actual value of the topic you're teaching around, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Pamela, if someone wants to get in touch with you, um, how do they do it? The best place is PamelaWilson.com. I recently rebranded under my name. So now it's pretty easy, PamelaWilson.com. Mm-hmm. And they can see everything I do right on my homepage. The, my main program is explained there so they can get into it there or they can dig in. I have more than 10 years of content on my website. So there's wow. a lot of great information if people want to explore. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so go to PamelaWilson.com. And, um, and contact Pamela if you're interested. And remember that she works with individuals who are, shall we say, more mature in their professional experience. But I'm, I'm assuming through a consultative approach that uh, you let people know uh, very quickly whether or not they're uh, someone who you actually would t- tend to work with. Um, Absolutely, yes. So um, I, uh, I really enjoyed this, this podcast because... You know, I think that people today have various legitimate concerns about making a switch from offline work to working for themselves online. And is it going to be viable? Am I going to be able to pay my bills? And having some direction about how to structure an online course content, uh, membership site, coaching business is something that I think is really the wave of the future because we live in the information age and information is the capital right now. Um, regardless of what we think, it just, that's where most of the money is made, right? Facebook is information, Instagram's information, and these companies are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Um, so, um, and that's why the government right now is kind of ruthlessly at trying to safeguard in some ways, you know, information because they know that, uh, information sells is what thieves want. Thieves want information so they can kind of do what they want about you. So um, uh, I appreciate you coming on today and, and, and talking about online business coaching. Is there anything else that you think that, um, that we haven't addressed today that you think people should know about what you do and about getting their, getting their perspectives into focus so they can think about making this jump to start creating content for themselves to sell and get it out to the public? 
I'm, I'm glad you asked that because uh, as soon as you asked um, where people can find me, I thought I should give them this one page. There is this one page on my site. So if you go to PamelaWilson.com, there's an item up in the navigation that says start here. Mm -hmm. And that will lead you to a page called the ultimate guide to starting your business online. And it is this super long page with all the stages of building an online business spelled out and links to all the resources you can find inside my site. Mm -hmm. And I have, you can sign up and get, I have a roadmap that you can get that shows you exactly how to move through the stages. I have a focus finder quiz, which sounds like it might be a distant cousin of your business stress test. <laughs> so it's, it's sort of like figuring out what stage you're in and what you need to yep. focus on in the stage you're in for an online business. Mm -hmm. uh, but that is a great place to start. If people want a, a jumping off point to just explore what's on the site, that's a great place. Yeah. And I will put that link in the description for the show on YouTube and on the podcast. So people will be able to go right there and, uh, and to ask you questions or take the quiz and look at the content and all the other stuff to, so they can kind of get themselves started. Pamela, thank you so much for spending time with me this afternoon, this shortest day of the year, you know, today. Um, did you know that? I did know that. Yeah. And, and uh, we spent a good chunk of it together. So that's, that's awesome. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's so said, nice to know that it's going to start getting lighter starting tomorrow. <laughs> there's light at the end of the tunnel. That's right. That means summer's coming. Totally. Um, so, uh, all right. Thank you for stopping by today. And um, I can't wait to chat with you again in the future. That sounds great. Thank you, Mike. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Common Sense Show, hosted by Michael Logan. The producer for The Common Sense Show is Paul Logan. To reach out to Micah and The Common Sense Show, talk to us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search The Common Sense Show. And if you enjoy the show, Please don't forget to rate and or review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you for listening.